Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Amy Keene, and this is Behind the Money with the Financial Times. This week on the show, we're looking at Tesla. The electric car maker is valued at almost $60 billion, but in its 15 years in operation, the company's never made an annual profit. Investors have flocked to the stock backing chief executive Elon Musk's promise of an affordable electric car. But after bleeding cash and missing production targets this year, companies tested the patience of both its customers and investors. So what will it take for Tesla to become a stable and profitable car company? Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tesla Q1 2018 financial results and Q&A and webcast call. So, Richard, back in May, Tesla's chief executive, Elon Musk, spoke with analysts on its first quarter earnings call. How did that go? Well, I'll I'll let you into a secret about Tesla earning calls. I think analysts actually enjoy them and look forward to them because they they are never your run-of-the-mill, tedious rundown on numbers uh, because of Elon Musk. Richard Waters is the West Coast editor for the Financial Times. I mean, Musk comes to these calls every quarter and he just he's he's a very free thinking person uh, he won't be constrained by the normal conventions of wall street and he'll say what's ever on his mind and it can be incredibly uh, interesting you know he's he's made some of his his biggest projections and pronouncements have come on earnings calls so uh, i think you know he's he's got a he's got a, a guaranteed audience however this year, I think he's gone off the rails a little bit. Okay, so we're going to go as long as, as, as there are good questions to answer. Um, what was going on at Tesla at this time? He was under huge stress. Tesla was under huge stress because it was failing to uh, meet its production targets on its new car, the Model 3. There was huge attention on Wall Street, particularly from the short sellers who have been betting on Tesla's stock value going down. They've been ganging up on the company and Musk was feeling it. And it all came out on that earnings call. And it was a very ugly situation, quite honestly. When analysts asked some fairly straightforward, obvious questions, for instance, about how much more capital Tesla would need. And so where specifically will you be in terms of uh, capital requirement? Next. Next. Musk just laid into them. He attacked one analyst for asking what he called boring bonehead questions. Boring bonehead questions are not cool. Next. And then he cut another one off. We have no interest in satisfying uh, the desires of day traders. I couldn't care less. Please sell our stock and don't buy it. And it was a really stark uh, sign of just what stress he is under. 
I, I mean, I, I think that if people are concerned about volatility, they should definitely not buy our stock. I am not here to convince you to buy our stock. Um, do not buy it if volatility is scary. There you go. And I think that's that's now been hanging over Tesla, its its stock and the company in the last few weeks and months because Musk is such an important part of the story here. But now I think people are starting to worry, or were worrying a little bit that, you know, is he going off the rails? Uh, is the stress getting too much? You know, is he going to be able to get through this period? Yeah, not the straight from the script chief executive you normally hear from on these earnings calls. Yeah, completely. I mean, as I say, the good thing is that Musk has never been like that. He's never been like that. And uh, I think it's one of the reasons, obviously one of the reasons he has such an incredible fan club on Wall Street and why people are so drawn to him and to the stock. But it has this this other, you know, the other side of the coin, I think is a very negative one. And I was talking to, you know, to analysts and investors after that call who are, who are real fans of his, but even they were saying, look, you know, someone on the board needs to step in here and say something. Uh, he needs to just calm it down a bit. You know, and what we have to keep remembering is despite all the negativity about him, you know, 15 years in, he has built an incredible machine. He's got a long way to go. And what he's built already is really quite astounding. You can understand why he has so many fans still, even when, you know, Tesla's stock looks so heavily overvalued, which it does, you know, because people really want him to succeed. And we've seen the share price actually swing from a high of about $385 back down to a low of $252 in the past year, it settled back to around $341 in the last day or so. Richard, what is it that Tesla investors and I guess Musk fans are really betting on here? The secret to the success here, and it's I think it's something that a lot of companies in other industries have been thinking about since they've seen Musk do this, is, you know, he looked at the electric car market and he saw that everybody else had made a mistake. They they decided to try and build a cheap electric car to get people, you know, to buy something which wasn't very good. It would only do 50 or 100 miles on a charge. Um, they'd make it as cheap as they possibly could and hope to sell a few. And quite honestly, they weren't very attractive vehicles. He started at the opposite end of the spectrum. And he said, look, I'm going to build the sexiest, most exciting car I can possibly build, charge a lot for it. I won't have to build many. He used Lotus body frames and he put batteries in them and he sold roadsters, he called them, for you know very high prices. And then he thought, I'm going to follow the cost curve down. Like all technologies, uh, the cost of batteries, which is the, made, the main cost here for these vehicles, has been coming down. Uh, and he thought, you know, if I can follow that cost curve, I can move from the super luxury part of the market down through uh, premium sedans down into the to the mid range. And it's the mid range he's now trying to crack. He's aiming with his latest car for a thirty five thousand dollar vehicle. He's currently selling them for around fifty thousand um, because he's they're adding extra features. And uh, the question is, you know, can he drive the cost down further? and make a profit on a $35,000 car. And that's kind of where we are with the company now. We hear a lot about Tesla burning through cash. It's gotten close to about a billion dollars a quarter. Where's it all going, Richard? Now, most of the, the cash that 
Tesla's spending is going on on capital investment. So they're building, you know, they're still building out the production lines and the production capacity to uh, produce all these Model 3s and ramp it up. And they're they're forecasting they're going to spend something like um, two and a half billion this year just on that. So that's an awful lot of money. You know, the hope is that by next year, they'll bring that number right down um, and they'll have been through the big the big hump. So that's the biggest part. Uh, but then the second part of the of the cash drain is is just coming from losses. You know, they're they're simply uh, burning through money, building these cars and not making any money on them. Right. Which brings us to one of the regular questions from analysts and investors alike, which is, hey, when are you going to raise a bit more money and add a buffer to your cash position? Well, the way to think about it, I think, is, you know, that any company needs a cushion because a severe economic downturn, when you have the kind of fixed costs of a company, a big manufacturing company, you know, you've got a lot of bills to pay. If demand takes a sudden fall, not even a big fall in demand, you know, you can suddenly find yourself strapped for cash. In Tesla's case, they currently have around two, just over $2 billion uh, of cash, which sounds a lot. You know, but they spent nearly seven hundred and fifty million just in the last three months. So, you know, they're burning through a lot of money here. We should remember that, you know, that they that Musk can could easily raise more money if he wanted to. So, uh, Tesla's share price is much higher than it was the last time he went to the stock market to raise money, and he could easily go and do it again now. Which is one of the things that's frustrating um, some of his supporters. You know because they want him to do it now when it's easy and build a bigger reserve so that he doesn't face any stresses. And But he's, he wants to prove a point. I mean, he's out to prove a point here and he's saying, I'm not going to do it. And what about Tesla's debt? They also have some repayments coming up. I think later this year, about 200 million, they'll have to repay on some convertible debt and then a much bigger repayment next year. So, you know, it just seems to... Uh, many analysts, uh, including the rating agencies, by the way, just seems sensible to raise more money, have a bigger cushion. But as I say, Musk isn't going to do that. He thinks he can pay off the debt that's coming up out of his cash flow, out of the profits he makes on his cars. He's, you know, he's going for it all right now. The problem for the debt markets is that a year ago, um, Tesla went out and just issued some bonds. They'd never done that before. They just borrowed some you know, ton of money with junk bonds, and they were oversubscribed. You know, because of the name, everybody wanted to put money in. Uh, well, guess what? Those bonds went down pretty fast, and the cost of insuring them now is quite high. And I think a lot of investors went in thinking, you know, when the Model Three came out, that this story would turn quite fast. weren't expecting the kind of tough year Musk has had. So as a as a debt market story, this is a tough sell. I don't think he's going to be going out and issuing more debt soon. So, Richard, what has to happen to turn the Tesla story around? What are investors looking for to see that that Musk's confidence in the company and in the production of these Model 3 cars is actually going to bear some fruit? You know, the first stage is can they build them? Can they build them in the volume that they need to? And that's been the story of the last year. I mean, it's a year since the first ones came off the production line and Musk said you know we'll get to 5,000 by the end of the year 5,000 a week and he didn't get there until the end of June that six months as he's been under just incredible scrutiny on Wall Street 
and burning cash in his company. So that's been the first question. You know, can they produce enough of them? Um, they have got to that interim target of 5,000. He wants to get and says he's going to get to 10,000 next year. But part two is, you know, well, so they can produce them in fair volumes. Can they make money on them? And, and can they stop kind of bleeding, hemorrhaging money? And here, I think we got, you know, there are two parts to this. The first is they're selling high-end versions of this car with lots of features so they should have very good profit margins and musk's bet is that if he just pushes enough of these out the door at the current rate then as this year goes on he will stop losing money he'll make a profit he'll actually generate cash and that'll be the first real sign you know that tesla is a real business and so that's a very important moment but then the second stage comes next year and this is where i think it gets tough again because the Model 3s he's selling next year will increasingly, the price will be coming down. He'll be moving towards that $35,000 target that he's promised. And so to achieve this kind of really quite strong profit margin he needs on those cars, that's a long, long way from where we are now. So, you know, it's going to be, he's going to be really under scrutiny, I think, for the next year and a half to try and get that. So first being, can he build them? And second, can he get those margins working for the company? What else? The third stage is the longer term for Tesla. Now, um, Musk is kind of telling everybody right now, look, I can demonstrate that I have a sustainable business. You know, we spent 15 years getting to this point, losing money. I can I can prove to you now that we have a real business around the Model 3. But everybody knows, and what Wall Street knows at the back of their mind, is that as soon as he's got to that point, as soon as he's made established that and proven himself, he's going to start investing again. He wants to build electric trucks, and he wants to build another new car, and he wants to he's going to build a huge plant in Shanghai. And all of this is going to take money and plunge Tesla back into more losses. This is going to be a growth company for you know as long as we can see. So I think we should see each of these steps as kind of plateaus where, you know, Musk thinks if he can just show that, you know, that what he's doing works, the stock market and investors will have enough confidence to let him go for the next, you know, the next big push. It makes me think about his comments about volatility last quarter. I mean, I I think that if people are concerned about volatility, they should definitely not buy our stock. What we all forget about Elon Musk is, I mean, the man is addicted to risk. And I mean that, well, I think I mean that literally. I mean, he really loves risk. I think investors want more exposure to, you know, really big potential markets, even if there's a risk that this will go to nothing. Do you think that he gets away with this, I guess I'll say, unorthodox behavior because of how many people want to believe in his vision and in his optimism for the company? Well, you know, I think we have to we have to give him credit for, um, you know, for his leadership. Um, so to have a, to build a manufacturing company that can grow at more than 40 percent a year, that is reaching four billion of sales a quarter, where he is getting his staff to to build you know, the kind of volumes out of a single plant in the Bay Area in San Francisco um, that many people in the industry said he wouldn't be able to get to, I think is a real sign that, you know, that people follow him, that people want to believe what he's doing. And so it's a real credit to him that he can do that. 
you know, but there is the dark side. There is the, you know, the concern here that um, he has come to see building Tesla as a as a fight, as a fight between the light and the dark almost. You know, he sees the forces of darkness, short sellers gathering against his company. And he's often out there on Twitter fighting these pitch battles because he thinks he has to do it to save his company. And, you know, that's a real warning sign when uh, when someone takes on so much personally. Early last week, Tesla reported its second quarter earnings. Again, Richard, we had Elon Musk on the phone with analysts. How did things go this time around? He's changed his tone with analysts. He's apologized for things that he said before. First of all, um, yeah, I'd like to apologize for um, you know uh, being applied on the particle. Uh, and I think you know one of the hopes here is that he's realized you know he needs to just tone this down a bit and just keep his head down and stick to what he needs to do. The good news last week was you know that Tesla showed that it was cutting its its cash consumption. Uh, I think most analysts are expecting it to burn through something like nine hundred million dollars and it only got through seven hundred and forty million you know only seven hundred and forty i mean it's still still massive right but uh I think the way to think about that is we're just possibly getting towards the tail end of this huge investment in gearing up the Model 3 production. And now Musk is always full of promises, and that's part of the problem here. One always has to discount the things he says. But he's now saying that we found ways of going from 5,000 a week to 10,000 a week production using much less cash. That's one of the things he said last week. You know, we think we've got better ways now of doing this, and so we won't be using as much cash in future as we thought we were. You know, he's now saying he's never going to have to raise any more equity again, that this company is now financially sustainable. You know, he's got to the hallowed ground. Um, and I don't think anybody believes that. But I think, you know, people are willing to at least grant him a little bit of time here because he's achieved at least something the first six months. And, you know, what's he going to do? Can he actually get to those targets the next six months? Well, we'll see. Yeah, I guess we're looking at what could be the most important quarter or two quarters for the company, whether or not Musk believes in that old adage that I think one analyst actually cited to him on a recent earnings call about good quarters making good years and good years making good decades. Thanks, Richard. You can read more from Richard on Tesla at FT.com. We've linked to Richard's recent story in our show notes for this episode. And you know where to find us. We always love hearing what you think we should be digging into on future episodes. You can email us at BehindTheMoneyAtFT.com. And I'm on Twitter at Amy P. Keen. That's A-I-M-E-E. We'll be back next week. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.